When it comes to work of justice and mercy, what keeps us going? Loving and serving others, especially when we find the world to be far more broken than we'd imagined. Here's an incredibly important truth. Often it is small actions and little habits that make the biggest difference. These easy to overlook choices can be the watershed between slow death and persevering in hope. Today I interview Francis Chan. Stay tuned to hear his reflections on what seem to be small choices and habits that he's found to be vital, keeping our heart passionate and near to Christ, even in very hard times. to Justice and the Inner Life, presented by the Christian Alliance for Orphans. We'll explore what it takes to sustain a heart of justice and mercy over a lifetime. Here's your host, Jed Medifin. Today I am joined by Francis Chan, a husband, father, a friend, best-selling author and speaker, and most of all, a follower of Jesus Christ. Francis, welcome to Justice and the Inner Life. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Francis, you are known for calling Christians to a very visible, public, tangible faith, crazy love. In many ways, that's justice, right? That The outworking of our faith in, in works of justice and mercy. And yet, I know you believe with all your heart that that springs from a deeper place. So, so let's start, just define for us, explain for us what you see as that, that inner reality that produces that outward working of faith. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. And it's something I'm very passionate about, because I, I think we can get busy doing things and which is good because we don't want to be just hearers of the word deceiving ourselves. I mean, we want to be doers. But at the same time, I mean, what what God wants most of all is he wants lovers, people who love him, who who like he is their treasure. I mean, that's that's what scripture is all about. It's about him being in the garden with Adam and 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 Adam like did the foolish thing and forsook that. And and, uh, you know, and, and it's about redeeming us and getting us back to that place, you know, by revelation. But but all through the scriptures about people who are in love with the person of God, like I just, you know, like David going, oh, this is the one thing I want on oh, a dry and weary land where there's no water. Oh, I, I, I pant for him. I thirst for him. Paul's like, for me to live is Christ. Mm. And so, yes, I want to be about adopting these kids. Yes, I want to be caring. For, but I don't want the, the number one thing beyond all of that is people who are deeply in love with the person of God. And I just feel like I, I meet so many people that are doing great things, but at the end of the day, they don't crave him. Uh, and and that, that scares me because you see in scripture, you know, like, like Revelation 2 and the church in Ephesus doing all these great things, but they lost their first love. And Christ saying, look, if, if that's not there, I just want to remove the whole church. Like you're not worth having around if that love's not there. Has that been the case for you ever, where you've been going full guns out there, ministering, serving, writing, but inside felt totally disconnected? <laughs> I know the right answer that everyone wants me to say is, yes, that happens to me too. But I'm going to be honest, and I hope this doesn't sound like arrogant in any way, but the one thing God has kept me uh, from doing over the years is straying too far from him. I mean, ever since I was 15 years old, like 35 years ago, um, 
there's been pretty regularly this commitment to be alone with him every day and to stare at him and enjoy him. And it hasn't been perfect, but it's been pretty consistent. And so I, I sure hope I don't sound like a jerk or judgmental or something, but I, I haven't really had these really dry, like, ah, uh, like, like times. Um, it's been pretty, pretty smooth. I mean, sometimes I look back at my life, I'm like, gosh, this is ridiculous. It's been good. So I, I hope that comes across okay. <laughs> You know, Francis, I appreciate you saying that because I think today, um, as much as we are uh, often afraid to share of our brokenness and imperfections, often we're afraid to share of our strengths and the good things that God is doing in us as well. So, so I appreciate that. It's encouraging. It, you know, I think of the Apostle Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And at first, it kind of seems crazy that he would say that. And Paul, you know, he's the first to say he's imperfect. He calls himself the chief of sinners. And yet, and yet he can say that because there are areas in which God is working in his heart. He's following Christ wholeheartedly. And so I appreciate you encouraging us with that as well. And I want to dig deeper on it. Are there particular things that you would point to, things that you have chosen over time that you'd say, these have been particularly significant in keeping my heart in that place and keeping my heart close to the Father's heart? Well, I, I guess it's some of the commands that I see in Scripture that I've chosen to take pretty seriously. Uh, one of them being, you know, doing all things without, you know, grumbling, complaining, uh, just just really going, gosh, I'm just to rejoice always. My life is good. I, things are good. And and so I'm not going to, I just choose not to look at problems and stare at them and um, go, oh, my life is so awful. I, I, I try to preach the gospel to myself and go, man, you know, can you, can you believe I was an enemy of God? According to Romans 2, he had wrath stored up for me for the day of judgment and all that's wiped clean. And now I'm righteous and now my son and now any moment I could die and be in his presence and, and, and everything's going to be amazing from here. You know, like I, I choose to dwell on those things because then whatever issue I'm dealing with in life just seems so small. Now, now there are times that I'll let, uh, I don't take my thoughts captive and, and I'll start dwelling on a problem. And yeah, at those times I could maybe feel discouraged momentarily. Um, but then I, I just have to preach the gospel to myself and, and go, gosh, I cannot believe what I was saved from. I was by nature an object of wrath. That is insane. And then everything that Christ went through so that I could be a son of God. Are you kidding me? Um, what, what will I ever have to complain about because of that? And so it's just choosing to obey some of these commands for my own good, uh, to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. It's like, gosh, I, I have to regularly rejoice in the cross. Okay, so take us into your brain for a moment, and, and you're in one of these times where, where, where things are just getting kind of stinky and frustrating, and your brain's starting to, to go there, and what choices do you make to redirect your heart, redirect your thoughts 
towards this discipline of gratitude that you're describing? Yeah, it's just a choice. It's it's like, you you know, the Bible says, you know, again, that same passage, you know, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, lovely, excellent, of good repute, you know, let your mind dwell on those things. It's like I could see my mind drifting towards the negative, and then it's just a conscious decision. Like, whoa, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm, boom, it's over, it's out, kick it out, and now, okay, what should I dwell on? You know, the gospel is always that thing that's primary, it seems. But and also just whatever I'm reading that day, and going, wow, that was that was pretty powerful. Let me let me think that through again. Um, it's just a choosing to uh, make my mind dwell on on what's right because I, I'm like everyone else. I if I just let my mind go and don't control it, it it's just going to head evil places. Um, but it's just it's just a choice. Anyone can stop thinking about something at any moment. Um, we have the power, the capacity to do that. But sometimes we want to entertain our anger. Sometimes we want to entertain the pity. Sometimes you want to entertain lustful thoughts or whatever else. And it's like, that's the easier thing to do. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go there because it's just not going to head me down a good direction. I believe it's Dallas Willard that describes our first freedom as humans as the decision of where we will direct our thoughts. That's the, the, the first choice that we have to make in each moment is, is where we will put the spotlight of our mind. And it sounds like you're, you're saying that, that one of the most important disciplines that you've practiced over time is a discipline of gratitude, of turning that that spotlight of the mind away from envy and greed and anger, all the other things that can kind of consume us, and directing it towards, by, by, by a conscious decision, thoughts of gratitude, the gospel, thankfulness. Are there specific habits that you feel underlie this discipline of gratitude? You've, you've alluded to, to reading scripture, memorizing scripture, prayer. Do you, do you feel like there's certain things that are, that are particularly essential to ultimately uh, cultivating a thought life that really is soaked in gratitude? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got to start my day in the Word of God uh, alone, away from anyone else, just me and God, I, we, we teach our whole church to do this. You know, we all are reading through the same passages of scripture every day. We're all reading through the entire Bible in a year. And, uh, and so every day we're reading the same passages and we fellowship over those passages. We're texting each other about those passages. Um, you, you know, so you start the day with that and then throughout the day, then you can bring it back to mind and go, wow, what did I read today? And, and what's everyone texting about? And, uh, you know, the discussions that I'm having. So that's, that's gotta be primary. Um, even brief times, you know, when in the car and just go, okay, I just want to take some time and just remember that Christ is right here with me and being in awe of his presence and, you know, but every day it's different because I'm reading a different passage of scripture. So let's help folks connect these things we're talking about with their daily work of justice and mercy. Because I think often, you know, we see them as very separate categories. On the one hand, we're our inner life, our thought life, uh, the spiritual connectedness to Christ internally, and then our external labors in the real world of dust and, and bones and hard things. And, 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 and yet I know you don't see those things as totally separate. In fact, I, I see you here shaking your head. Help us connect those two things. It's all connected because, okay, you know how the more you're with someone, it, it can't help but become like them. You know, like my kids tend to become like me, even uh, even in marriage. You know, I see my wife becoming more like me and I, you know, take on her characteristics, you know, and 
she has a good sense of humor now. Um, just kidding. But, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a whole idea of we rub off on each other. And, and so when you're in the presence of God and you really are, are focusing on who he is, like, and because of the Holy Spirit who, who's changed our heart into this heart of flesh, it's like, we, we just become more like him. And, and so then the things that I care about are a lot of the things that God cares about because I've been reading about him and going, God, I want to be like you. And so when he's a father to the fatherless, it, it becomes very natural for me to just go, gosh, you, you need, I want to be that, you know, for these people. It's not like, Oh, I hate this whole thought of justice, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm commanded to do so. It's like you just start seeing God as being so beautiful and you go, man, I want to be like that. I want to be sacrificial. I want to be loving. I, I want to be a father to the fatherless. Like, is that is that what motivates people or is it some sort of works type of righteousness? And and that is one area that yeah, weakness in my life is yeah, you know, sometimes I lose sight of God's grace and I can just start doing things and and not be in close relationship. And it's not the overflow of just being with him and becoming like him. Um, but that's an area that the Lord's really been growing me in lately. And I, I love it. I, I love thinking this way and being this way. But it's it's almost surprises me sometimes when I say certain things that are just off the top of my head and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. That's just so natural for me now. But I think it's just because I've been with God and, um, and by the grace of God, I'm becoming more like him, which is, uh, hopefully all of our, our goals. I think that can be so significant for, especially for people who are passionate about justice and mercy. We, we see the world's hurt. We want to go out there and do stuff. We get to get into action and that's, that's good. But, but sometimes that can come at the expense of, of cultivating the, that, that inner relationship with Christ and the sense of connection and purpose and why we are doing all this in the first place. And, 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 you know, I, th- I think about so many folks today, young folks, older folks that are, that are waking to the needs of the world and charging out there and the bright eyes and passion. And yet then we run into the buzzsaw of just how broken the world is, you know, and whether we're trying to deal with issues of homelessness or addiction or human trafficking, ultimately we're just overwhelmed by it. What what would you say to folks who are kind of at the front end of this journey before they have hit this buzzsaw? What counsel would you have for them at the beginning of that journey? Yeah, I would say, I, I mean, eventually, yeah, you're going to crash. Um, if it's not, if you don't have a good picture of Christ and your relationship with him. If you don't have an understanding that, uh, uh, you know, like first Peter four just talks about how Christ suffered in the flesh and, and he says to arm yourself with this type of thinking where you just go, you just know this is going to be brutal. This is going to be tough, but it's good and it's right. And, and to expect suffering and, and actually, you know, like you take Christ's words, literally like you rejoice in suffering like there's this weird side of us who are true believers that when we suffer, we're actually okay with it. And sometimes we're actually very glad because we have such an eternal mindset of, gosh, whatever light and momentary trouble I go through, it's achieving this eternal weight of glory. 
And that's when you become unstoppable. Once you embrace suffering for the glory of Christ, um, that's what makes you unstoppable. That's when you don't quit. That's when actually the persecution makes me stronger. Uh, that's why the early church was so effective and um, unstoppable was they really rejoiced in their suffering. You have Paul who says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And you got to understand as a believer, you're saying, gosh, I want to be like Christ. I want to suffer. That's, that's crazy to the world. And if there's no resurrection from the dead, like Paul says, then I'm the biggest idiot on earth. But I believe this. And so suffering's not going to stop me. Uh, I expect it. I actually want it. I will actually rejoice in it. See, these are all the things you have to um, know in your heart that this is what it means to follow Christ. And so then if I adopt and it's painful and I get rejected, which happens. And I've gone through the heartbreak. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt you. <clears throat> it's just you, you, you know where to go. You come before the Lord and go, wow, this is what you felt. You felt this betrayal. And gosh, my joy is not that the, of course, we're happy when we can help someone's life turn around, but <clears throat> that's not guaranteed. Uh, you can pour yourself into someone for years and for whatever reason, they hate you later and slander you or whatever else. And you're like, wow, all right. Um, but my joy comes from, wow, Jesus, that's what you went through. I'm becoming like you. And I think for some people, like I'm speaking right now, you're listening to that, and that's just crazy talk to you. And I'm going, gosh, just read the New Testament. And it is possible. You really can cherish Christ that much that the ultimate betrayals even are okay in your mind and even uh, can become a, a cause of rejoicing. Powerful stuff. What would you add for someone who is 20 or 30 or 40 years down the road into this, and they are totally agreeing with you intellectually, they know that, that love for Christ and closeness to Christ is the wellspring of it all, but the world's hurt has just battered them, and they, and they are just not feeling it. We all feel things, and we all think things, and we have to stop believing everything we feel and everything we think. And I know that's just not the way people talk nowadays. Our feelings and empathy are everything. And uh, and yet in Scripture, what you see is uh, God getting so frustrated at people who follow their heart rather than his commands and his promises. Um, I have to shut myself up a lot. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, Romans 3 says, Let God be true, though every man were a liar. Uh, and, and God says, look, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Your ways aren't my ways. So when I, I even feel like I'm a failure, I have to say, wait, no, 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 no. That's, that's Francis speaking. That's not God speaking because I know what God says about me. And that's just not true. I can feel like, man, everything I did went unnoticed. And it's like, well, that's what I feel. That's what I think. And I got to shut myself up and go to the word. Um, and that, we're not good at that. We live in a time when everyone thinks their opinion is so valuable that they should tweet it and post it and uh, write a book about it. And and it's just we're really not that profound. Um, scripture is profound. God says his thoughts are so much higher than ours. As, as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's why his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. And so 
gosh, when you're feeling discouraged and I mean, <clears throat> that doesn't mean we don't get tired. Like, like Paul says in second Corinthians where he's just like, man, I just feel like I'm dying daily. And that's a reality. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful, but you know, you're pressed, but not crushed, you know, you're persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. It's like, yeah, I'm tired, but you know what? I'm keep fighting and wait on the Lord and he's going to renew my strength. And I'm, I'm not a quitter. I'm, I'm invincible. Uh, I'm an overcomer. That's what scripture says about me. And uh, if I feel like I just can't go on, well, that's my flesh speaking. That's, that's not, that's not God. Uh, he, he's, he, I can do anything. I, I really can do anything through him. Talk about the significance of community. What do you see as the role of community in this long journey? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is really new for me. I have never felt so uh, encouraged by a group of people uh, where, where I just don't, I don't feel like the sole idiot that's like, uh, you know, like looked at as an extremist or something. It's, it's, man, these guys are firing me up. These guys are in love with Jesus. These guys will do anything for the gospel. And, and so that community is, is awesome. It's beautiful. I, 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 there's part of me that just hopes the Lord never calls me away from here and this group of people because it just keeps getting stronger and better. Having said that, it, uh, I spent a lot of time alone too, uh, where you just felt like you didn't have that. And, and so I would just encourage those of you that are listening that do feel alone that, you know, there's seasons where that's okay. Uh, that's where you strengthen yourself in the Lord. You tell him, man, I would love to have fellowship um, in church in such a way that I just feel brother and sister with people on the same mission. And I thank God that I have something like that now. Um, and it's just something that God's created. And I thank him. I was thanking him this morning for that again. Um, but just because it's not there, um, doesn't mean we're in a hopeless situation. Okay, so imagine you get to speak for a few minutes with 18-year-old Francis, and uh, you know somehow that he is called to a life of justice and mercy, that, that perhaps he's going to China to serve orphans, he's going to go out there and fight human trafficking. Um, what counsel would you give him? What would you say, Francis, these practices, these habits are especially critical for you to keep your heart in the right place to, to sustain this journey for the, for the long term? Why would I challenge 18-year-old Francis? Yeah, I, I would say, okay, don't let anyone talk you out of what you read in scripture. Um, because well-meaning people, uh, you know, people call themselves Christians, whatever else, are going to try to get you to doubt and try to take away that childlike faith from you. Um, don't let them. If the scripture says it, believe it. I mean, that, that's where even now, 35 or, I don't know, what does that make? 32 years later, um, I'm looking at those promises and getting back to that childlike faith because some of that was stolen. And I let some of that go and don't let go of that. God's God has always been true to his, his word. And so make sure every day you're in that book and you take those words as truth, absolute truth. So if anyone says anything contrary to it, don't listen to it. It's just not true. This book is filled with people who believed in him. So 
So don't forsake that time alone because that's your cleansing time. That's where you wash off all the dirt of all the lies you've been told every day. That's the time when you come before Almighty God and you realize that fellowship with him is better than anything else, anything else you could ever experience. It doesn't matter if the whole world is against you. Um, when you understand this holy God and that he is for you and he loves you and he calls you by name, uh, you should be on top of the world at that moment. And and nothing can get you down once you know and understand his love and trust his promises of love for you. Trust his promises of salvation. Um, that's your joy. That's going to be your strength. And if anything else becomes your strength, then you'll be tempted to, to try to find security in other things. Like, don't go there. It always fails. It's Christ and Christ alone. Um yeah, just don't get busy doing stuff because uh, at the end of the day, he want, the, the greatest command is to love him and and to know him. And he wants people who enjoy him. And if you're going to if you are going to adopt <clears throat> someday and if you are going to make disciples, you're going to multiply who you are. And so if you're not a lover of Jesus, the person of Jesus, you're just going to multiply who you are. Uh, a doer, um, a guy who's insecure and trying to earn some sort of righteousness or earn some sort of favor f- before God. And now you're going to multiply that and have two of you. Um, or you're going to be that, you know, like Mary and just sitting at the Lord's feet and adoring him and, and, uh, increasing that tribe of people that just adore, uh, Christ for who he is. Um, not just wanting to get stuff from him, but just going, man, just to get you and just to know you. Um, that's that's the heart of who you want to be. Amen to that. Well, Francis, we are going to wrap up here, but uh, I know folks don't normally do this on podcasts, but I want to ask you, would you say a prayer for those who are listening? Just lift them up, whether they're uh, students just starting out or people 20, 30, 40 years in to work of justice and mercy, uh, just lifting them up to the Lord and asking him to carry forward these things you've been talking about, keeping their hearts in the right place, strengthening them with, with the gospel and, uh, and just holding them near to himself. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to. And those of you guys that are listening, um, man, I take prayer very seriously. And this is not just some speech I'm going to give at the end of a podcast. Like it's a, it's a big, big deal to come into his presence. Like I said, it's like that radioactive room where you're like, if I go in here without the right, <laughs> you know, covering, um, that's the dumbest thing I could do. And, and, and it's uh, not that, not that, I mean, I understand what I'm saying. It's just we're coming before a holy God and I don't ever want to flippantly pray. And so I want to speak to him. And I hope that as you're listening, that you are seriously praying to him these same words. Father, it is an honor to know you. And may that always be the greatest honor of our lives, the greatest joy of our lives. May that always be the center of who we are. May we never love anything more than you and knowing you and being with you and being known by you. I pray for all these people that are listening that want to do something. And I thank you, God, 
Thank you so much that they want to be doers of the word and not people that just hear and go to a thousand Bible studies and hear a million sermons and church services, but they want to be doers of your word. I thank you for that. But God, I pray that as they do that, that they understand their first love and that they're doing it for the right reason. And they're doing it because you've put your spirit in them and they're becoming more and more like you. And because this is your heart. And so, Father, we just thank you again for the cross. Thank you again that we have access to you. And may you be our greatest desire. And may we always find the greatest fulfillment from knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm very thankful for the things Francis shared today. You know, when we are passionate about justice work, it is so easy to get wrapped up in what seem to be the big things, strategic plans, advocacy, new programs, and these things are important. But I so appreciate how Francis helps remind that our small, often invisible choices are among the most important things we do each day. It's subtle habits in our thought life, like expressing gratitude instead of complaint. It's choosing to be fed by Scripture each morning and reflecting on it throughout the day. It's looking toward Jesus and talking with Him often because we eventually become like the people we spend the most time with. These little things keep our hearts, our first love, tender and hopeful, even in great trials. If you'd like to dig deeper on this theme, one book I'd recommend is Renovation of the Heart in Daily Practice by Dallas Willard. But of course... The most important thing we can do is simply start making these small daily choices today. You've been listening to Justice and the Inner Life with Jed Menefit, a production of the Christian Alliance for Orphans. To learn more about the Alliance, visit kfo.org.